everyone. Thanks for joining me here at Creative Connections. I'm Adam Deer, and joining me today is an amazing performer, Trevor Ashley. Trevor, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for coming on. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, as I said, you're a performer. In terms of genre, was what was your first love? My first love was always musical theatre. So it was always... Once I discovered musicals and I was taken to them from a very young age. So my um, family have always gone to the theatre and um, so I, I, was, I was taken to things. I think the first show I got to see was uh, Cats when I was four, um, which was a little bit terrifying. I got rather scared at the beginning. And you remember it? Red- I remember, yeah. And I started crying and my granny had to take me out of the theatre and I said, no, I want to see it, I want to see it because I'd listened to Cats over and over on the record. So um, so I went in and, and that was sort of the beginning of my love affair with um, with musical theatre and, and that's what I basically wanted to do with my life. So were you one of those kids that was always singing in the house and dancing and... Yeah, I did all of that. Uh, I was always singing. I basically was singing from very young. Um, And I started learning piano and having singing lessons from the time I was, from the time I think I went to Johnny Young Talent School, that good old thing. Um, (laughs) I went there from uh, when I was about four years old, I started at Johnny Young. And uh, then I went and did private singing lessons after that. from about the time I was five or six and, and learning piano. And I did that for years and years and and learnt to play and learnt to sing and then went to uh, a high school that had a great band program. So then I learnt the trumpet and played trumpet in the school's band and played piano in the state school's jazz band and did amateur musicals and did uh i went to shopfront theater in carlton um which is an amazing place and uh, i went there for um gosh i was there from five to 17 so 12 years i was there and i did everything there from um writing my own plays starring in other people's plays being in the chorus of other people's plays um I learned lighting, I learned how to rig lights, I learned video editing. I literally, I wanted to know everything there was to do with theatre. Yeah, so I mean, obviously Shopfront must have shaped you quite a lot as a performer. It really did. And I think that, uh, you know, they really empowered all of the all the kids who go there. They, you know, because a lot of the plays are using play building, um, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it, it's basically everybody as a group sort of creates the scenes and creates the work. Um, And I did a lot of that for many years. So apart from like scripted productions, we were doing a lot of sort of play-built plays. And um, it was a really exciting thing to be a part of and to, to be, you know, on stage doing a piece that we'd all created together. And um, uh, when I was 10, we actually toured uh, the entire Pacific Rim um, with two plays from Shopfront. And so I got to go um, 
all of the other kids were much older than me. They were like 14 and up. So, and there's a big age gap between a 10 year old and a 14 year old. Um, so I was like this annoying child that they had to deal with, <laughs> um, who wanted to sing and act and dance and do all of that. And I, uh, uh, but I got to go to, you know, perform in Thailand and Korea and, uh, and Japan and Hawaii and Canada and uh, then San Francisco and then home. And I was away from my family for about 10 weeks. Oh, wow. How did that go with, you know, signing the cassette consent, sending you off? I was different. It was the nineties. Um, so <laughs> you just left. <laughs> they had like, oh, whatever. Um, no, but I had, we had great, um, great teachers on it with us. So there were like three adults and the rest were kids, but, um, but there were 12 of us. So, um, yeah, it was a, a quite amazing experience. And so I got to do all of that when I was very young. Yeah. There'd probably be too much OH and S now. You couldn't do it. Yeah, you'd be bubble wrapped. Well, not like that. Not in the way that we did it, where it was like two kids to each hotel room, you know, three adults supervising 12 of us. So it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty great. It was an amazing learning experience, both as a performer and socially. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. And so you've uh, collaborated with uh, writer, performer, Philip Scott for quite a, quite, quite a long time. How did that yeah. relationship uh, start? Do you know what? I um, had seen Phil on television in Three Men and the Baby Grand and I'd remembered him from that and then uh, – in the late 90s, there was a thing called the Cabaret Convention, the Sydney Cabaret Convention, and uh, Phil performed at that. And it was at that that I met him and sort of stalked him. Um, so he came to my 21st birthday party um, and he still really didn't know me very well, but I'd invited him because I really thought he was brilliant. And... Uh, then the first thing we worked on together was a show called Pop Princess that we wrote uh, for Mardi Gras in 2003. And he, um, it was the first thing we'd done together. And so we've been writing together now for, for 17 years, which is quite amazing. And he's been a huge influence in how I guess that I've presented myself on stage in my own works Um he sort of helped me create the character that is my sort of on stage Trevor Ashley persona, I think more than more than anybody else has. And before yeah, everything went kind of completely nuts this year with COVID, you toured with I Can Cheat a Worst, former Eurovision winner, and uh Kate Miller Heidke, as you do. Um, how did yeah. all that come about? Uh, well, I'd met Conchita in, uh, in Vienna. Um, I had gone to do my, my Liza show in Vienna. And uh, at the end of my show, uh, she wasn't famous yet. She hadn't won Eurovision. Um, so I sort of went out on stage, did my Liza show. It was a big hit, if I do say so myself. And uh, at the end, I got out of drag and then the producer was introducing me to people and introduced me to this bearded drag queen. And I was like, who's this one? This is a bit weird, this fucking beard and everything. Why has she got a beard? Um, 
never thought another thing of it. Next thing you know, she's on Eurovision, winning Eurovision. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, because, of course, I hadn't heard it. I haven't heard it, hadn't heard him sing then. So I was like, well, this is, he's phenomenal. So, um, so I actually um, got in touch with, and we, we stayed in touch this whole time. And so um, Tom, his boy name, he wrote to me, you know, and then I said, well, how do you feel about coming out for Mardi Gras? And he, uh, he was like, oh, I'd love to. I haven't been out to Australia for ages. So, you know, I'd love to come and do it. And so I produced the tour and Kate and I have been friends uh, since we did Jerry Springer, the opera for the opera house um, in 2009. And so uh, I, Kate and I, again, have stayed very close friends. So I basically said, hey, what do you think? Should we do this together? How great. Um, so um, so that's, what's, that's how, how it sort of came about. And then it was an absolute joy to be able to sing with, with Conchita and with Kate and to go and do a tour like that. It was really, really exciting and, and wonderful to do. And then, of course, COVID hit like... 10 days later. So thank Christ that even went ahead. If it was, I keep like thanking my lucky stars that it was, you know, not having to be cancelled due to COVID and, you know, the whole thing going badly up. Yeah. And how has that kind of impacted you professionally or the, all the COVID oh, stuff? Horrendously. Um, I had a year of work booked. So, it all suddenly disappeared. Uh, and also just the opportunities, like, you know, the bits where there were gaps. And I was, I was going to go away and go overseas and do all of those things that I was desperate to do. And, um, and of course, none of it's, none of it's happening. So it's, it's a, it's a very strange time. We're all a little bit just sort of on edge. So I'm hoping that, you know, at least in, if New South Wales keeps going the way it's going, we're, you know, several weeks of no community transmissions and so is Queensland and so is South Australia. So it's, um, if Victoria can get their act together, we're all going to be okay, I think. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, um, I just hope that we can get back to work. And obviously today uh, the announcement of, of the, the arts package from the government, it's the first time we've had something so significant. So I hope that, you know, that really does help us all get back on our feet because it's a, it's a tough thing because I've been, I've been the producer of most of my own shows, you know, apart from the major musicals that I've done, um, I've been the sole producer of everything. So I think, you know, it, it, it's toughest on those of us who have never had funding and we've never had anything like that before. Um, I'm hoping that that, you know, will make it to the to us who are small independent producers of, of, of theatre and, and, and concerts. And, like, from your perspective, are there sections of the performing arts industry that handled COVID better than others? Look, I mean, obviously it was easier for uh, television and that sort of thing. They've been able to sort of weather the storm a little bit easier. But for those of us who work mainly in live performance, it's, it's really uh, destroyed us. Um, and I think, look, we've all done our best to cope. 
I, I do think that. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's been a tough situation um, to... Uh, just all the uncertainty around it and all of the, you know, all of the uh, the worries and, and the anxiety I think that I've had this whole time of, of trying to know what, how to get back on our feet, how to, you know, will people come? Do we need to adjust ticket prices when we come back? You know, all of these things that all of us are, are completely, you know, worried about and, and concerned so i think that it's a um uh i think that it's a it's time uh, you know hopefully over these next few weeks we will have better news and know no more of what we can do mm. because really until government lifts um sort of the the social distancing rules in the theatres um there's no way that most things can come back so um you know I'm just hoping it, it manages to happen, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, even if you can get something up and running, if you can't get enough people in there, you're going to lose money. Yeah, it does make sense. So everybody's going to be, you know, working together, I think, to, to try and make that happen. And so you're an actor, singer, female impersonator. For people listening, what, uh, if any, are some key distinctions between a drag queen and a female impersonator or a drag artist? Oh, look, I think, I, I guess a drag queen, it's just someone who mimes down the local pub. Um, and I think well, I do something between sort of being a drag artist in terms of the fact that I do work predominantly in drag. Um, though of course I have done, you know, male roles in shows. Um, but, uh, I, I also do a lot of female impersonation in terms of, you know, making you believe that I am Shirley Bassey or I am Liza Minnelli. Um, so I think those are the sort of distinctions for me. That's how I sort of see how I work. It's like Courtney acts a, a female impersonator um, and she, you know, is quite extraordinary because you really couldn't tell that she's necessarily a boy. Um, so... Whereas obviously Conchita is much more a drag artist who has, you know, presented all sorts of versions of, of himself to to the world. So I think, you know, I, I love the art of drag. I think that it is an incredible and often sort of not... Uh, not celebrated or respected the way that it should be because uh, I heard somebody speaking about it the other day saying, you know, that drag, you're, you're a performer, you're often a, your own makeup artist, your own wig stylist, your costume designer. You've done, you've done everything to do with what people are seeing. And, uh, and I don't think you get that in many other, like you don't get many actors who can, who can do all of those things. Trevor, as we discussed, you performed in, you know, a wide variety of genres, but cabaret seems to be something that you come back to as a, as a foundation for most of your work. What is it about it that keeps you coming back? Oh, look, I just love, I love that, that spontaneity and the connection with the audience. For me, that's the greatest thing about it. Also, I can create whatever I want to create, sing whatever song I want to sing. Um, 
which I love doing and and put my band together the way that I um that I need to. And you know, I'm very I'm very proud of of sort of the work that I've created in cabaret because um I've managed to go from playing, you know, tiny little 25 seat venues up to, you know, concerts at the Opera House and the State Theatre. So um, for me, it's it's a great uh, it's a great thing to be able to do and to be able to create and to be um, and just to connect with the audience in in that, you know, spontaneity with spontaneity and with with um, with such a close connection. I love that. And do you ever cop any flack for any of the divas that you impersonate? Oh, look, I've had um, Liza's publicist doesn't particularly like me. <laughs> um, but don't know is, how does that go? Is there a phone caller? Is there a grumpy email? Is there? I I met him actually, and that was that was why I got um. I'm friends with Richard J. Alexander and Richard is the director for Barbara Streisand. He directs all her shows. Um, he does Bette Midler. He does, um, you know, Bernadette Peters. He does all their shows. Right. Um, and I went to go and see Barbara's sister, Rosalind Kind in Cabaret. And uh, at that particular show, uh, Richard, um, invited me to drinks with Rosalind after the show. And there were a few other people there. And one of the people there, and Richard knew this exactly and dumped me in it, um, <laughs> but he literally said, and Trevor, this is Liza's publicist, and then walked away. And the man <laughs> stood there and said, I know who you are and I don't like what you do. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just love her. I really do. But, um, you know, it's... Because uh, <laughs> you could see it as um, though you're paying her the biggest compliment in a way. Well, yeah. And look, the good thing was her PA came to see me in um, in my concert in New York last year. And uh, she sent her spies and they loved the show so much that they told her and... Um, uh, Shirley Bassey's people have spoken to me and have said that the Dane loves the title Diamonds Are for Trevor and uh, thinks I'm a very good singer. So I've been pretty lucky, I think, with those two. And Kathy Griffin saw me do Cher once and Kathy then called Cher and told Cher that I had been um, doing her, doing other people's songs because I do a lot of that, uh, of, you know, finding a song like I've done Cher doing You're the Voice, for example, um, and it works fabulously. Um, so um, uh, she had heard me, Kathy had heard me sing. Um, I was on an Atlantis cruise and Kathy Griffin was the headliner and I was the opening act and I did Titanium, Sea of Titanium as Cher and uh, that brought the house down and so Kathy called her and then, yeah, and then Kathy wanted to meet me. So it was all very nice. I've had some, I've been very lucky. No, that's great. That's good to hear that it's, you know, been 99.9% positive. Yeah, it's only the one publicist, who cares? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And uh, back in 2010, that saw the premiere of I'm Every Woman. You played yeah. 12 Beloved Divas. Uh, I can see some of your posters behind you. There's Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand. Yes, Barbara. Uh, and how important has 
training, particularly vo- vocally, been in maintaining that level of performance night after night, presumably eight shows a week? Yeah, look, it's it's hard. And um, I push myself to the limits in a lot of these things. I... Uh, I had very good training from when I was young and then I started doing sort of operatic training when I was about 18. I went to Janice Light and she was um, an opera singer with the with Opera Australia um, and so Jan taught me for quite a while and I actually at one point had two singing teachers so I was going to Jan for opera and classical and I was going to Kerry Bedell, who is a legendary jazz singer, who we've we've lost both of them now, actually. Um, and uh, Kerry was the one who taught me how to sort of manipulate my voice. Uh, I don't think she ever expected that I would manipulate it the way that I've ended up using it, but uh, I was more to get the right style. But once I started listening to singers and analysing the way that they worked, that was how I'm able to sort of manipulate my voice, and that was all down to training. But, yes, there is... um, I find that with my my stuff like the Bassey show, Diamonds, um, I can't do that more than probably um, sort of three times in a row. That's about, I think I did it in Melbourne five times in a row and that was the, that's the most I've ever done it in one week because I sing 23 songs and they're all so high. So, such a big sing. Um, Liza, I can tend to get through. I've done a month of Liza before where I did London for two weeks, flew straight back and did Sydney for two weeks. Um, And that many shows of Liza, I basically have to be on complete vocal rest in between each performance in order to, to be able to pull out the Liza voice and to be able to sing all those songs. By the time I got to my 20th show, um, because I did five a week, um, by the time I got to my 20th show, I I was on a steroid (laughs) and going, okay, this is it, and done. And that was it. That was all I could do. That was it. But I had to be, you know, dead silent. A lot of the time. Yeah, well, I mean, because unlike a normal show, you don't have this big cast to rely on for different parts. You're singing the whole time. Yeah. And when you do sort of shows that are my style, which is a proper two-act, you know, 20 songs minimum, you know, there's it's a big sing, and and also the songs I choose to do, and the, and the songs that people expect me to do are the big songs. They're the big sound, and so I've you know uh, I've had different different you know uh, times where my vocal health has been amazing, and when it's not been amazing, it's really um it is tough. I push myself very hard. And the performing arts industry in general, it's pretty unpredictable. Are there strategies that have helped you deal with, you know, rejection one day and then adoration the next? Look, I suppose I... I Everyone I just think, adores you, don't they, Trevor? Well, no, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> and, I mean, look, the thing is, it is weird and you, you do go from, you know, not getting jobs to, I mean, I still, I still audition for most things. There's a few things I get asked and I don't have to audition and that's great. Um, 
they're not as frequent as I would like. Um, but uh, you still do have to be... Look, I, I'm very lucky. I have a very good friend network and a lot of support from my family. And um, so I've, I've always had a very... I've been very lucky in the in the fact that you know I, I, I've I'm able to sort of cope with most things, uh, but I mean I, I haven't had a partner for many years, and and so you know it's 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 it is tough, and I I do find it it is the come down of being on a stage with an audience that is loving you to coming back to a house that's empty mm. and sort of. It is a roller coaster of emotions, and um, you know it's uh, it's tough. It can be really tough. And I mean, look, I'm lucky that I've that I am resilient, and I'm I'm very versatile in what I do do in terms of that I can write, I can act, I can play piano, I can do all these different things. Um, so. I can plan for those, but uh, it is, yeah, it, it, it's a tough thing. This business is hard and, and you know, there's no two ways about it. It, it, it can be so incredibly awful um, and so incredibly amazing and, and one day can be one and the next can be the other and it is really tough, but you just kind of have to keep with it. I love it. And if I didn't love it so much, I, I wouldn't still be doing it. But, I mean, I'm 20, 22 years doing this now and, um, yeah. Persevere. It's, You've persevered. You just keep going. You just have to. If that's what you want, you keep going. And I was interested to hear your perspective on agents and managers, you know, versus networking. I've asked a few guests that what's worked for them because I suspect that, for your own shows you're producing, it's, you know, it's all on you making it happen and people that you know, but, but what role have, have managers played as well? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like you're going to tell me a really awesome story. I probably can't for legal reasons, but um, (laughs) uh, there's, look, I've had, I've had experiences with both personal management, with agents, I have had varied results. I self-managed myself for a couple of years because I was over it. Um, I have found, you know, it is tough to find good ones and I think it's tough to find people who can see a path for you that you can't. Well, I've found this. I've really driven everything. So I think I've found that there have been very few people who have seen a bigger story to tell for me than I've seen for myself. I've been the one who's mainly found that. And I think that's where um, I have had varying success with, with managers. Um, but saying that, um, I'm a fabulous agent now and he has been incredibly, you know, um, supportive and wonderful and, and, and it's, it's been a really good um, relationship that we've just 
you know, we've, I've only been with him a couple of years. And so um, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I've, I've gone through them. So, um, you know, it's been, I, I've been doing this a long time. So I had, you know, I've had various ones and, 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 you know, I've had ones that have been fabulous and I've had ones that have fucked me over and it's been a very um, interesting sort of journey, I think, uh, across <laughs> across the many years. But, look, I think for some people it's, it's absolutely necessary if they're not like me who can create their own work and and can produce it and do all of that uh, and know how to manage money and know how to manage um, themselves, I guess. Uh, so, But, I mean, people's careers work so differently and I think my career has never been what you would call um, sort of expected or has taken the path that... I would have ever thought, you know, it, it, it hasn't gone the way I thought. I thought I'd go into musical theatre and I'd just work in musical theatre and that's all I would ever do and that'd be done, you know. And it's certainly been very different. Um, and I'm very proud of what I've done because I've taken, you know, my own product and, and made it bigger and bigger and, and there have been, you know, great arts companies, et cetera, that have really supported me. So the Opera House and, and Arts mm. in Melbourne especially, QPAC, have all been incredibly supportive. Um, so I'm very I'm very lucky that that, that that has happened for me throughout my time and, and, you know, and commercial producers too. Like, I mean, the fact that Cameron McIntosh was you know, the one who wanted me for Les Mis was pretty exciting. And, you know, to have those sort of people in my corner has been uh, a pretty phenomenal thing. But I I certainly feel that I've, you know, look, I think agents work really well for some people and I think that they, you know, knowing and, and managing your own expectations about what you what you want out of that person I think is, is, the, is the key. Mm-hmm. Just in wrapping up, what's next for Trevor Ashley? How are you uh, moving forward out from the COVID cloud? I, I've, um, I'm working on some new projects. I'm hoping to get back and do some cabaret sort of sooner rather than later. Um, I am doing a new drama for channel seven which is quite exciting so i will be on your small screens pretty soon i'm right. doing that which is, so there's been there's quite a few things and that's exciting because that's actually the first thing to come back i'm starting filming in in a month so um so that's quite fabulous to be to be doing something like that um but look i've pitched i think what's been good about this time is i wanted to do more in the world of television and creating my own series and those sort of things. And so I've been able to do those pitches and grants to, um, to all of the arts organisations that, that have released funding. Um, so I've been able to actually have the time to do that, which I've never done before. So uh, it's been really good to, to sort of do that. And so I hope that, you know, I wanted to sort of find a new challenge and I hope that TV is the, is the new challenge for me because um, 
I feel like I've done so much on the stage and I've been really lucky, uh, but I would like to do some more things, do a movie or do something, I don't know, but it'll be, um, it'll be good to um, uh, sort of be going forward in a slightly different direction. Fantastic. Well, Trevor, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you, Adam. That's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you like and follow Adam Deer on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and join me next week on Creative Connections.